startup stream. Let's get it cracking. All right. Welcome back to another edition of The Zone TV here on the No Filter Network. It's your boy, J.D. Dugan. we got a jam-packed day of The Zone TV ahead of us. Some NFL takeaways, maybe a little NBA talk. Got a quick quote of the day to start it out. It's been a while since we hit hit y'all with the quote of the day. I feel like I needed one. So after watching the NFL this weekend, I just couldn't help but be in awe of the way these backup quarterbacks performed. Stepped up out of the blue. Three guys, Cooper Rush, Trevor Simeon. And I'm spacing on the third guy, but I should know it off the top of my head because I watched the game. We all know who it is, but I can't think of it because I got too much going on. And we got the legendary Uncle Rico in the chat. Shout out to everybody watching the show live. And shout out Steven. Thank you. Thank you. Shout out to everybody else watching. And so the quote of the day real quick. I got, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Yes, it's a cliche quote. Yes, we've all heard it a million times or most people have. The reason I bring it up, though, when you watch these backup quarterbacks step up, guys are in their third year, fourth year. Nobody expected him to fall out quite like that. I'm spacing on who the third backup is. If you make it fill me in on that, I don't know why I'm spacing. But Cooper Rush, Trevor Simeon. Oh, Mike White of the Jets. Guy had a career day. Absolutely went nuts. So the point I'm getting at, I do respect these guys staying ready, keeping their craft sharp, ready to rock and roll. I think that in the modern era, everybody wants to bring in the young gun, the rookie, the guy who's ready to be the next face of the franchise. But as we've seen, all these young quarterbacks struggle early. We've got some knock action. The most common name for the Jets quarterback. Yeah, literally. And uh, so we got Uncle Rico joining through the uh, some knock action. The point I'm getting at, I think it's awesome to see. I think it shows the value of just staying ready, waiting for your chance, and good things are going to happen. So, and we got Uncle Rico coming in here. I'm going to keep him moving in the NFL, and we'll get him involved. So we'll get his thoughts on everything. First thing I was going to talk about in the NFL and I was going to say, if anybody watched UFC 267 this weekend, I was going to give it the quickest shout-out. It was epic. Daytime card, switching around between that and college football. That was some high-level MMA competition, fun stuff. Moving along, back to the NFL, though. So, the NFL. We're heading into what's going to be week nine now. Next week, we're in week eight. And I'm just going to name a couple teams who I think the next three weeks are going to make or break their season is a good way I would put it. So I think these six teams' seasons are going to be defined by the next three weeks because going two and one and going one and two, 100% is going to be the difference if these teams are going to have a chance at the playoffs or not. First team on the list, and we are waiting for Uncle Rico to join through the knock button. Oh, there he comes. So got some Uncle Rico action. Welcome to the show. Always appreciate you jumping on, buddy. What's up, brother? How you doing? Good, good. Fun weekend in the NFL. You got the Cardinals hat. I'm sure you had a roller coaster of a Thursday night. That was a rough game for sure, but we've all been there. Yeah, we have all been there. Um, you know, I have mixed feelings on that finish because in one sense obviously I was livid like how do you not prepare to catch the ball like he played AJ Green we're talking about uh for those of you who weren't watching the Cardinals game on Thursday night against a six and one Packers team with potential home field through the playoffs on the line with the undefeated Cardinals because now the Packers have the tiebreaker, but Cardinals make a fourth down, fourth and goal stand that they had to make. They needed to make it. If they didn't, the game's over. Done. And they do. And what happens? We drive the field with two minutes left and get it down to what the 10 yard line just outside of goal, like first and goal. And Kyler Murray throws a fade to AJ Green, who's got single coverage. You know, you got a stack receiver set. 
on the left, AJ Green on the right, single coverage, no safety, one on one, and he throws him a jump ball, which I am totally okay with. It looked more like a back shoulder fade actually than an actual like jump ball. Um, AJ Green went out there to block. Like he never looked for the ball. It looked like he thought it was a run play. Um, of course, I was screaming that he was in deep with his bookies, and he just threw that game miserably. Starting to look like it. No, I mean, I don't. There's no excuse really. Like in that position, other than he's a new guy, and I just I don't understand how he could have even thought that a run play was called in that situation, knowing we didn't have any timeouts. Uh, field goal ties. Touchdown wins. Uh, there was miscommunication, clearly. Because he didn't look for the ball at all. He didn't even turn around, and the receiver or the cornerback tipped it, then caught it, game over. Now, Yeah, that was a rough one. Just to chime in, it, I, I think it could have either been the running. It could have been a timing issue. I mean, I'm not too sure. But the, the throw was there. It was just a matter of either he, like you said, he was either run blocking or he just timing was 100% off. Either way, I mean, Murray made the throw. It was either, like you said, a back shoulder fade, something like that. But timing, everything was there except the catch. And just to chime in real quick, the one thing I'll say about that game, even though they lost, I think there's a lot of positives the Cardinals could take away. And for anybody listening later on, I've been throwing this on Spotify audio only. Uncle Rico's got the Cardinals hat on his head describing this. So he's, you know. This is coming from the, the Cardinals fan base here, from the heart. That's the Kyler Murray draft kit hat right I've never there, seen buddy. that one. I was going to say that's fresh. Yeah, thanks, doggy. But, yeah, but, but that's uh, too funny. Keep going. Sorry. I didn't want to say they didn't. In. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Great NFL weekend. I'm all pumped up. But yeah, it, it did. It, it, really, I, it really was. It was epic. I was just going to say, though, me. the way the Cardinals came back, and stayed in that game, kept fighting. They did make mistakes at the end. I think you always hear the cliche, oh, we needed to lose a game like that so we could learn from it. I'm not saying you ever want to lose a game. Like you said, it's a tough game. Thursday night, Aaron Rodgers, that's a game you want to win. That being said, if they can go execute and learn, say we're never out of a game, we can come back against anybody, we can make the – uh, defensive stop at the goal line. Like they had those moments where if they can learn from that, build from it, there could all, there could be a lot of positives. Because I I personally always think with a young team or this and that, those are the defining moments you have to have if you get where I'm going. So tough weekend, definitely some I positives do. to take away. Yeah, and we talked about this the last time that I was on. Is it's going to come down to who's the healthiest at the end of the year. And the Cardinals lost J.J. Watt for the season, randomly, in the middle of the fucking week. Pardon my French. Then no D-Hop goes out during the game and is playing more of a decoy. Like, he came in and caught one third down pass, and then the other time he was in was more of a decoy. Um, and I hate the cliché... Um, you're a winner even when you're a loser. Like, you can take stuff from losing. But it's true. You absolutely can. We talk about failure on here and how you have to fail to grow, like, so many times. And this is one of those applicable situations where the defense held up. Now, keep in mind, the Packers also were down their top three receivers. True. But uh, Randall Cobb came up nails. Like only Randall Cobb and A. Rodgers do. I would say Aaron Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and it almost feels like you watch a game like that, you could just plug and play anybody out there, and he's gonna make the magic happen when it counts. But I yeah. just say that because it's anytime you beat that guy in a primetime game in a, a moment like that, there's a lot to take. I mean, not beat him, but have those defensive stops, those moments. That even though the receivers weren't there, I think you could throw a lot of positives. I was just keep playing the unreal game. Yeah, and it's also that backup mentality. You know, you were talking about how the quarterbacks played so well. Um, you saw a lot of other people having to come in and fill in, just in that game specifically, uh, with the receiving core for the Packers. And 
you could tell there was miscommunications there too. Like there was one specific play on, I think it was like second or third in goal where Amari Rogers was running. They're running one of those screens, like an RPO screen to the left. And Rogers was trying to throw him uh, in rhythm. And the route calls for a more flattened route. And Amari was taking it up just a, just a hair, like just a foot. But it was just enough to where Rodgers has ran that play a thousand to ten thousand times with his normal cast. And this kid doesn't do it exactly how Aaron Rodgers wants. And it results in an incomplete pass. And they end up having the punt. No touchdown. And it's those little intricacies of the game where it shows up like it's such a game of inches. The NFL is just such a game of precision. You cannot show up without your A game. And that's why your take on how well some of these backup quarterbacks played is fantastic. Like shout out to Cooper Rush, man, and White. Like those guys came out of nowhere. Trevor Simeon's been a starter. He's been embattled. Uh, I always cheer for a Northwestern quarterback. I just like their pedigree. But um, those guys took care of business. And it's uh, the Cardinals showed that their defense can keep them in the games, just like the Cowboys. Watch out for the Cowboys because I'm telling you, there is going to be a bottleneck at the top of the NFC. The NFC's got the cream of football right now and we're not even talking about green bay or pardon me tampa bay who just lost to the saints like or the rams yeah or the rams you know like there were upsets there were there's a lot of shifting and shuffling but uh i'm gonna let you dig in on those those uh backup quarterbacks i want to hear your take on some of that stuff well, I'll get to that. I'm all, I'm all got a million things going through my head. I did want to get your thoughts on one thing because you mentioned the precision of the game and how it's such a game of inches. And mm-hmm. I'm total believer in that. I'm kind of old school, smash mouth yeah. football in the times, right? In the modern era, you can only do that so much with the athleticism and the way the game's called and all that. Point I was getting at, I don't know if you've noticed, I've seen an increase in teams, and this has been statistic, it's like backed by the analytics. A lot more going for it on fourth downs, which I like in time and a place, and a lot more not going for the field goal, easy points. I don't know if you've noticed that trend, but I've seen it hurting teams, and I'm starting to wonder if, yes, there's times where you want to get fancy, control the ball. I know the Chargers coach calls it. He he grew up playing basketball, and he says, I like to have the flow of the offense. It's similar to basketball. You make a run, and you're making a run. You keep that momentum. I totally understand all that. I just don't know if you, I was wondering if you've seen that trend though lately where it's starting to hurt teams a little bit because Belichick's the kind oh, of absolutely. guy I think of. He's he always he's not going to leave points on the board. He's not going to give the team the easy field possession. He's always had those kind of that way of I'm going to control the clock. I'm not going to give you the easy points. I know that sounds so simple, but with so much talent in the game and like you said, a game of inches. I wonder if some of these compet you know real high end contenders, Chargers for example got to kind of buckle it down a little. I was just wondering if you've seen the trend at all. Oh, you absolutely seen the trend. And some of the coaches are pure analytical hounds, you know, like the Harbaugh's of the football and college football range. And shout out to Michigan State, man. Shout out to Michigan State. And Walker the third. That boy Unreal. is great. Unreal. Beast. Beast. They are coverlicious. I told you this, what, like four or five weeks ago. Cowboys and Michigan State are coverlicious, dude. Every single week they do it. And I'm happy for him, man. I'm happy for Mel Tucker, uh, ex-coach of Colorado. Like, I just, you know, I love when those programs see a resurgence. So not to uh, sidestep completely, but I have seen a lot more going forward on fourth down. And I like that. Personally, now, I like it more in terms of gut and feel. So his response, um, talking about the Chargers head coach, I agree with. Like, I don't like just the straight-up analytical all the time. 
Um, we saw it with the Packers. Like the Packers could have kicked that field goal and make it a for sure touchdown game. Like you make it a for sure touchdown game, the play calls change completely. And all of a sudden the Cardinals have to score a touchdown. Like we were playing with free money and we still managed to lose our house. Like that's how bad that was. Like you absolutely in that scenario cannot come away with less than three. Like there's no excuse. You just can't do it. Like that's, we're going to overtime no matter what. And 100%. they just totally shit the bet. And it should have bit the Packers in the ass. And this is one of those cases where it didn't. Now, that goes against all statistical analysis of that situation. And it bit them in the ass. And you've seen times in the season where going for it on fourth doesn't work. And other times where it does. So I'm more of a gut guy. You know, I like to play odds as much as the next guy. But that being said, I also factor in terms of game management, field position. Punters, like punters and kickers are now becoming such an impactful part of the game, whereas they were kind of like the joke guys of the rosters, you know, like, oh, guys that kick, like, what does that matter? They are so, punters are so important. They may be as important as any defensive player on the field because they can actually flip field position, like literally pin teams back into the corner of their end zone. You know what I mean? Like they have that ability. There are few positions in sports where they can control the game like that. Goalies in hockey, goalies in soccer, pitchers in baseball, quarterbacks in football, and punters in football have the ability in field goal kickers have the ability to put points up specifically. That is their job. Punters to control and flip field to get your team out of a mess. Like how many times have you seen a punter kick from their end zone and blast that puppy 70, 80 yards, you know, like there's just so much importance to it. And you have to factor that into your going for and on fourth. Like, if you don't have a good kicker, you're going to go for it more on fourth. If your kicker's missing PATs, yeah, you should go for it on fourth because the guy's got the uh, the quips, you know. He's got the shakes. Hunter, same thing. He's not kicking it and pinning you back. You really got to do your homework. So that's pretty much how I feel about going for it on fourth. It's just uh, I'm a gut guy with anything. Uh, in terms of third down plays, you know, sometimes people will third and short is always a run. You know, other teams are spread it out, throw it, quick passes. Um, depending on the field position, I like the pe- like if you know we're seeing this more to your point about the going for it on fourth, is they're setting up for it on third down. When they run for it on third and long, they're almost playing into those analytics because they are basically saying, if we get X amount of yards, we're going for it on fourth. So if we get stalled out, like let's say third and seven, third and eight, they run the ball, draw, uh, you know, spread out uh, receivers wide and just go kind of single back through the gap, see if we can't gash off four, five. Feel it basically, and if they get that four or five yards, they're going for it on fourth. And I'm seeing that a lot. What about you? Yeah, I see that as well. And I, I'm all about. I'm very similar to you in the sense, like I like the flow of the game. Go with the gut. If your QB's rolling, you have a seven point lead, and you're like, we can put them away. I'm not saying don't take the chance and do that. I and I do. I do know what you mean. Teams are planning for those fourth downs a lot more, which I, I mean, I do like in the game plan in the sense when the time's right. Yeah. Plan ahead, go for that either short run or a little underneath drag route, seam route, whatever you want to call it, something like that. Set up the little 
easy, easy uh, conversion on fourth down. The bigger point, I guess, I was just trying to make, not to backtrack too much, is is because I agree with everything you said. When the time's right and you're flowing, or if your kicker's not hitting the kicks, yeah, go for it. I'm not trying to sit here and preach against it. I do like that we're more open to it than we used to be. I just wonder if teams are getting a little too loose with it. And it could be the time of the year, ready to put teams away early, kind of a mindset. Let's save our guys. Let's just take care of business. But like with the Packers, things like that, it's like, just take the points. So yeah, they are getting a little cavalier. They are definitely getting a little cavalier with it. And it's becoming such a thing that now the word analytics gets thrown around. So these coaches don't get, on for it whereas like there was that famous one in like what 2005 2006 patriots colts brady manning where bill belichick famously went for it on fourth and two and brady threw up to like i think it was troy brown out of the flats and it was an incomplete pass and the colts won and he did this from like his 25 or 30 you know, so it was like, oh, my gosh, what is Bill Belichick thinking? Rah, rah, rah. Little did they know that they would be the greatest tandem ever to ever play the game, ever, ever, ever. Now, with fourth down calls, too, I am so surprised at how bad some of these calls are. Like, I don't understand why you don't run crossing routes every single time. Like, you have two yards to get. There is no excuse. Zone, man, those are... Those routes, underneath routes, will literally clear up every time. All you need is two to three seconds of protection for your quarterback. You stack heavy. You send one guy deep just to just to take one of the safeties out of the way, you know, and then you go two underneath and you throw generally to the side where the vertical is going that pulls that safety out. Now, if it's zone, you literally can find wherever you want in the zone. If it's man, you know, you can do those illegal pick plays. Like, there is no reason. And then thick routes, like sit-down routes, like two yards up, sit down. You know, if they're playing bump and run, I get that. But you can still, like, if they're doing that bump and run, it's almost even better because receivers can get physical and they can push off in turn and if your timing is down like there's no reason you shouldn't be able to get two to three yards every time like if me and my brother can do it in a turkey bowl game these guys getting paid millions of dollars should be able to do it on a routine basis i agree and that i agree in the sense that's one of the most frustrating things nowadays it's like stacked box 10 guys in the box and they just pound the ball up the middle with like a middle of the pack running back derrick henry fourth and inches i get it give him the damn ball that's one thing but yeah no 100 percent. i'm always sitting there going if they don't go play action and roll it out right now and do a little dump off pass or like you said a drag route under the middle of seat whatever you want to call it hot it, routes like wh- what happened to hot routes like you see your slot receiver with nobody like you see nobody covering him so you know they're either playing they're blitzing heavy in the safeties playing man or a guy's going to drop out for zone. You hot route slant or hot route seam. And either way, if you have the safety up high and he's his protection is that guy, quick slant, boom. There's no way he's, he's getting there. There's no way. Unless he jumps it, which 99% of them will never do, especially with the head twitch. Like, they're so good at setting them up now it like receivers are so savvy the best ones they're slow on their breakouts you know they kind of do that and then they do a quick jolt just that little that little bit is enough to create that separation and then if they're you have a guy you know like a linebacker or even a d end if they're doing zone blitz dropping out to play that zone you're still gonna be finding that little middle pocket. Like, if you see nobody over your slot receiver, every time, hot route, hot route, you know? Hot route, like Jeremy and fucking John and Wedding Crashers. Jeremy, hot route, hot route. I don't know what hot route is. Hey, that's where it went. Anytime we get a Wedding Crashers reference, we'll take it. Uncle Whoa. Rico always bringing the references. 
No, I agree, though. And especially in the modern NFL where press coverage, it used to be a lot more physical. Corners could really, like, beat the shit out of a receiver. I, and, you know, just to be blind, it used to be a lot more physical. Five, you know, it was inside five yards. You pretty much could Play do whatever the heck. Words, that, that, that. Sorry not to yeah. cut in, but shout out to Mel Blunt. He was actually the reason that they created pass interference because the those famed vaunted steel curtain defenses, uh, he beat the shit out of the receivers. So I love how you just said not to be blunt. Bing! Well played. Let Hall, is he a Hall of Famer? Yeah, no, NFL legend. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's absolutely a Hall of Famer. And I love how he always wears cowboy hats. He's just – he looks exactly the same, dude. He's one of those guys that has just aged so gracefully. I'm like, good grief, dude. This guy is ten kinds of handsome. He was the most ruthless cornerback in the NFL, and he just wears uh, work pants and cowboy hats every single time I see him now. I'm just like, that's the dude I want to be when I get older. Like, if I could be Mel Blunt when, I was, when I'm that age, I will have done my duty. Living the dream right there, going from making big hits to just chilling. As something about a guy, you know, those dudes that you don't uh, just don't suspect maybe in the cowboy hat, just chilling, seem to be the dude who hit the hardest on the football field. No, low key yeah, off the field, on the field, bad mother effort. Yeah, no, but it, 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 it was a different era. And back then, even ten years ago, the Charles Woodsons, the Revis Island days. Nowadays, mm-hmm. I think unless you're playing Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I feel like there's really no excuse to – and don't get me wrong, we were just talking about flow of the game. If your running back has just is killing them, I'm always big on don't overthink it. If it's fourth and inches and your running back's destroying the other team, pound the ball up the middle if they can't get a stop. But, yeah, for the most part, big play, high, high leverage situations, I hate that when they just pound, especially like fourth and two. Like fourth and inches QB sneak, I always love the Tom Brady classic QB sneak. I don't understand that. I don't understand why every fourth and one, we don't see a QB sneak. Uh, Breaking news from Steven Lucas. Yeah, wow. According to Adam Schefter, the Broncos are trading Von Miller to the Rams for two day two draft picks. What? Damn it. Can they get any more stacked? My God. God. Come on. I mean, gosh. That slipped, but. Ah, just one more even with the breaking news. I gotta compete with. Yeah, shout out to Luca Skywalker, the young Padawan of Jedi statistician uh, lineage. So that really, I'm gonna be interested actually. See how that shakes out because Von Miller's not having a good year, and I. I think he's past his prime. I think he's on that J.J. Watt trend. Now, J.J. Watt is so big, you know, that he can disrupt the middle. And his get-off time is perfect for blowing up, running plays, and he's just a leader. Von Miller, obviously a leader. NFL, superstar, number two overall pick. Um... NFL champion, defensive player of the year. But that being said, we haven't seen the same statistical production, at least, from Von Miller. And when I watched him on Thursday night and another game on CBS, he was blanked. Like, they didn't say his name once. Like, he didn't even sniff the quarterback. And... You love that he wants to take accountability. Like, he said himself, like, I'm the best player on this team. I'm the superstar. I need to make an impact. So that type of leadership, I think, is worth uh, two day two draft picks for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. I would love to have Von Miller on my team immediately. Uh, Because it is – premium pass rushers are so – hard to come by and they are very streaky too that's the hard thing like Chandler Jones is the streakiest uh pass rusher in the NFL like he'll get you five one game and then he'll go five games without one like you realize his five game sack that he had at the first game when he said he was gonna break every sack record he hasn't had a sack since 
He hasn't had one since. And it's not because of a lack of playing time. Like, yeah, he sat out two games, but he's played three others. He just flat out is getting double covered. Like, there's obviously reasons to it, but it shows how even the most elite pass rushers uh, find it difficult. So it'll be interesting to see what Vaughn does. I don't know. What do you think about his arrival to the LA Rams and what that does for their position in the NFC? I, I like the way that you kind of broke it down there in the sense, I think a lot of people are going to jump out in the media, sports media. It's going to be one of those overstatement. The Rams have every superstar defensive player in the league. They're going to be unstoppable. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they incorporate him. He's a guy who traditionally the defense is built around him. Broncos are like a hardcore 3-4 rushing defense. I haven't watched enough Rams defensive tape to go off the top of my head. I don't know exactly what scheme they run, but I am interested to see how they incorporate him because, like you said, I think the J.J. Watt comparison is 100% on point where if they want, if people think he's going to be a premier pass rusher out of the blue, I don't ever see that happening again. But a guy like that could bring the leadership and just a veteran presence in the sense of he's going to he's gonna have a – a football IQ that he might not have the talent of a maybe a first-round pick who's the best young defensive end in the league, but when it's third down and three in a big play, Vaughn Miller's a guy you want on the field, and it's that simple. And the Rams are going to be playing big games down the stretch. So I, I like the pickup. I don't know if it is the kind of move where off the top of my head I go, this is a, the difference maker that puts the Rams up, but it is a move that I think – as far as like solidifying your defense, if it's the NFC championship game and you need somebody to make a big play, I mean, that's the, the kind of guy you want on your team. So I don't know if in the regular season, like you were kind of saying with Chandler Jones, another example, defensive ends or pass rush and outside linebackers, it's so hard to consistently get sacks. That's what makes the guys who get 21 sacks in the season so special. It's so rare. But even then, it usually yeah. comes in spurts of a couple big four, three games three sat games, excuse me. So I like the pickup, but I'm interested to see if how they incorporate them and if it really is a move that puts a team over the top or if it's a move where it's more just kind of like a leadership, fourth down and three big play in the game, you want them in there. So I, I do like the pickup, especially where they didn't give up too much for him. I don't think you could ever hate on that move, but I yeah. do kind of, I like where you went with it, where I, I just think a lot of the media is going to overreact and it's going to be like Vaughn Miller, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, so many superstars. How can they be, you know, they do this. They have a tendency it, to. It, and I'm partial to that because one thing that I was going to just ask you in beautiful segue is you've got two alphas already in Los Angeles. And now you had a Von Miller alpha who's known nothing but being uh, the guy. The guy. Not, not on just one side of the field, but both sides of the field. And now he goes to arguably the best player in the NFL in Aaron Donald. And the best two-way corner in the game in Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I don't think it will be a distraction. I think he's going to be so excited to be on a winner that he'll play right into whatever scheme, uh, potentially. But now they have alphas at each level, on all three levels, line, linebackers, secondary. And if he can get acclimated and just communication-wise, like obviously he's not going to be calling the plays ever because he's not a middle linebacker. He's a pass rusher. But um, it'll be interesting to see how they play it out. And the media is obviously going to have a field day with this, as they should, because, um, you know, it's a blockbuster trade as the trade deadline approaches which I'm still waiting to hear something on Deshaun Watson because I've held on to him on my fantasy team. And uh, I'm hoping that he goes somewhere so I can use him as trade bait, even though I'm stuck stuck to the gills with talent. Yeah, I'm not too sure what's I, – I, I would lean towards probably not looking good with that one, but we'll see. But, yeah, no, I agree. It is an exciting trade. No, I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes. I'm not trying to sit here and downplay it. 
I just know sometimes we expect right off the bat, like Vaughn Miller's going to come in. They kind of set the the hype up, like he's supposed to come in and get three sacks in his debut playing next to Aaron Donald, and it's going to take so much pressure off Vaughn Miller. And I think if that Rams defense utilizes him right, maybe he does have that kind of success. But, yeah, it's like you said, though. He's the kind of guy you want on your team. He's going to do a okay. lot of the, lead, the leadership and on the sidelines. And that Rams team, maybe they need a little bit of that where Ramsey and Donald, they have had history of getting ejected from games, getting pumped up, getting a personal foul here and there. You know, don't get me wrong. I think defensive players, you got to be a little bit crazy. So I'm not hating on it. I'm like, <laughs> that's what makes them special. They're a little bit crazy. I mean, I played a little yeah. football, whatever. The guys who play defense and love putting their helmet down and just cracking dudes, probably a little crazy. It's fun, yeah. whatever. The yeah. point being... Yeah. You get juice. Uh, Von Miller might be the vet presence come in and be like, hey, guys, it's third down and short. Don't get this damn penalty right now. Let's keep get to the stop. Let Stafford get the you know ball back. So that little yeah. stuff goes a long way. So I, I totally see the vision. I like the move. It, it's going to be interesting to see for sure. Thank you, Steven, for the update. That was definitely – it is a blockbuster trade. You go a little bit, oh, shit. Yeah, absolutely. Over under of sacks for Von Miller this season. With Starting the Rams, he's got eight games. What do you say? How many? I'm saying the line is five for me of over-under, and I pick under. Straight up. My gut says under, but I do. I could see him having one of those, like we talked about with Chandler Jones, having one game where he goes off and gets maybe against a bad team, gets like three sacks. So I'm going to go with over just to spice okay. it up a little bit. We'll see. I mean, Write I do that think. Down. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Jot it down. I yep. could see him getting like five, six, six sacks in eight games, something like that. Now it's going to take, like I said, a performance where they're playing a bad team and he just goes off. We'll see if that happens. But yeah, no, that's a, yeah. a good. My gut though does see. I could see him getting three and a half sacks and making a big impact, and that's all he needs. He doesn't have to be like the X factor, which is like we saw with JJ Watt on the Cardinals. When you get a guy who's that smart and football IQ. That's what I almost feel like he brings more than even the talent because he's just not going to make those mistakes that hurt your team. He's going to be in the right place at the right. So just those little things where deep in the season, you watch the teams who win playoff games and lose. It often comes down to just who who doesn't F up as much. I mean, realist, and who's not hurt. But, I mean, if you mm-hmm. don't make mistakes in the playoffs, I always think of Tom Brady and Patriots. That's what makes them great. You know, it was the fact that they could just be efficient. So, no, I really like the move. That was a tangent there, but – you know, back in the day, it was like Brady and Belichick. They maybe didn't always have the most talent, but the penalties weren't going to beat you. They were going to be in the right place at the right time, and the Rams are going to be one of those teams. So, yeah, the NFC is absolutely Those stacked. Are. We were just talking about that, and now this trade come, or comes in. So it is unreal yeah. in the NFC right now. Yeah, it really is. And you made a good point about uh, efficient teams and teams that don't shoot themselves in the foot, you know low turnovers usually when the turnover ratio like that's the number one rule for coaches win the turnover ratio if you win the turnover ratio you're generally going to win games or you should win the games um don't get bad penalties and take care of the ball and usually come playoff time that's a good pedigree to win like obviously there's a million other factors that go into it but those would be on if there were 10 commandments of playoff football, uh, those would be at the top three. You know, Moses would be tracking down Mount Sinai with the two stone tablets, and at the top it would say, win the turnover battle, no stupid penalties, take care of the ball, period. And then you can fill in the other seven. Maybe protect the quarterback, and that's about it. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it goes such a (laughs) long way. That's too funny, picturing him with the tablets, talking a little football. You know, could yep. I, hey, you never know. You know how Maybe Moses love football. Yep, you know how Who those Jews uh, love their football. <laughs> I thought I had a transition in there, but I just nothing to follow that one up. But no, how too funny, you? too funny. <laughs> no, Keep but in mind, yeah, my dog's stuff. name is Bubby, so that term Jew is said lovingly, folks. That is not a derogatory term in this household. When you deal with as many uh, Jewish confidants as I do, uh, Bobolo, uh, Bubalu, or Bubby, as my dog's name is, is an endearing term uh, given by a Jewish grandmother to her 
uh, grandchildren. So shout out to Ashley Haas for that knowledge. They we had a whole talk on air about Jewish grandmothers because she is comes from a Jewish background and has a grandmother. So when I told her about my dog's name, like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And we got into a long story. And I actually had her talking in a Jewish grandmother voice the rest of the entire broadcast. Like, she did a spot of, oh, oh, dear. What are you going to do right now? It's so drafty in here. Dear, you look like you haven't eaten. JD, are you eating anymore? Uh, your skin and bones over there. Pretty good, right? Giving some uh, Adam Sandler vibes in uh, Eight Crazy Nights a little bit. No, <laughs> First thing I thought of, yeah. classic. Classic movie, classic. great movie. Which, Christmas is here, buddy. Turn the page. November 1st, I'm a Christmas balls deeper, so I'm digging right in. Like, I'm diving into the uh, the, the deep end. No, no splashing in the shallow end for me. I'm pulling down my uh, Halloween uh, accoutrement and getting real Christmassy, real early. Like I piss off a lot of people with how early I do Christmas, and it's not that I'm not giving Thanksgiving its due love. I do celebrate Thanksgiving because I love Thanksgiving. I love the old tale of pilgrims and Indians, uh, or as we call them lovingly Native Americans, um, which is actually a pretty accurate term when you think about it. Uh, it's just one of those stories, no matter how accurate and inaccurate it may be, it's a nice sentiment. And we all sit down and eat great food and watch football. And it's one of the greatest holidays ever created by mankind. So I do not glaze over Thanksgiving, but let's be honest. I'm going to be watching so many Lifetime Christmas movies. It's sickening, dude. And they all have the same blueprint. It's usually uh, a woman who has never been in a relationship uh, or married. She's not. She's unmarried, but she's in a relationship with a guy who sucks. Uh, goes to a small town where a guy with who's a single father, usually there's a kid involved in some capacity there's always a child involved whether it be a niece or a child of this guy's and she learns the spirit of christmas through this gentleman or vice versa and they fall in love the end sometimes santa's involved sometimes he's not uh usually there's sentiments of gift giving and being selfless which is what i like about christmas movies to be honest is it's that time of year when people uh, start watching stuff where we're not being assholes to each other and being so self-involved. And sometimes that seeps over into other, their, the people's everyday life. They're maybe a little more kind or not so quick to react. Not always, but sometimes. So I will be indulging in Christmas movies like no other. I was going to say, you've had the snowflake up for a while now, so you've been ready to rock and roll, and I hear you. My, uh, my girl came up to me this morning and said, all right, Halloween's over. Let's start the Christmas music. I was like, oh, God, we got to pump the brakes till Thanksgiving at least, but I guess, hey, maybe Uncle Rico. Shout out to Miss Dugan. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe you're indoor, getting the endorsement, so maybe we'll start the music. No, too, too yeah, funny. I was going to awesome. give a little rant this morning, and I was going to spiel about how I've never seen so many people going big for Halloween, whatever. I'm glad people are out having fun. Hopefully this holiday season, the next two months, whatever the heck people celebrate, whatever people do, there's been so much shit going on in the world. This is like a tangent, but you led it to this. I'm like, maybe people could just all uh, use that extra kindness, be a little more nice, and let's just forget about some nonsense for two months. Let's just get to 2022. Yeah. Like, everybody's yeah. ready. Like let's, Everybody's like, let's forget about 2021. Like, let's like end the year good, and then we'll start to have a good year and move on from yeah. some shit. But no, right? I mean, it's the time of year. Everybody could be a little nicer, be a little more kind, shit like that. No. Yeah, that was true. a full circle tangent on the show, but it all came together. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things about being as creative and uh, open minded as we are. You know, it's not always sports on here. Sometimes we got to get to the nitty gritty of the stuff. And your lady being ready for Christmas music the second the calendar turned to November melts my heart right down to its core because 
I've already got messages from my sister and my mom about it. Like we go in on Christmas. So she is uh, part of our our kinfolk, our ilk. And you are oh. spot on too with just the kindness part. Like let's just forget about the shit for two months. Like all of our differences, all of our indifferences, all of the whining and complaining we do about every single person around us, myself included. I whine and bitch and complain about how people react and act and behave, and it's so frustrating. But it's a lot of um, over-dramatization. I'm focused on things that I have no control over and letting it seep into my personal life, and that's toxic. And we have the ability from now till the end of the year to just be grateful for the things that we have around us, a roof over our head, clothes on our back, people that love us. And it varies with people how much of each they have, but you don't need to be rich to be loved. You can be rich in so many other areas, and it's such a great time of year to remember gratitude and taking a moment to do something kind for other people. So I love this time of year because it really tends, other than Black Friday and shopping for Christmas presents, it really brings out the best in people. Now, a little word to the wise, stay home for Black Friday because it's gonna be the worst day of the year. It's gonna be like uh, Baghdad, I'm predicting. Like it's gonna be ugly. People are gonna be shanking each other. Like humans are awful savages, let's be honest. When they're desperate, there's no bounds that a human will not go to to meet their survival needs. And on Black Friday, it's getting material things at a low price. And that's so stupid and shallow. It can, it used to be fun. Black Friday used to be like a fun little, like go out and do this. Ah, we're gonna run to see, you know. Now people are trampling each other, pushing over kids and old people, like fighting for what? For a product? Like, so you can say that you got, you know, like it's just, it's the ugliest side of humanity. And I hate it. And I'm hoping that with the supply chain being as bad as it is right now with all the inflation and the lack of distribution that we're having, uh, in the economy, blame it on whatever you want to. We're not here to do that right now. But the bottom line is there's going to be a shortage of consumer supplies, toys, electronics, material items that people are going to want to fill stockings and presents with. And that's going to cause people to go ballistic for what is available. So protect yours and your own if you go out on Black Friday. Yeah, it's definitely a day. I worked retail for a while back in the day, and it definitely brings out our inner caveman primal. We're like, I see that. I need it. I'll, I'll club something if I have to to get the product. Like, it gets a little it gets a little rough, no, for sure. And, and maybe a bigger picture. I haven't looked too much into all the issues, the supply chain stuff and all that. Maybe, though, if there is a shortage, maybe people will just embrace, like, yeah, let's just enjoy all the uh, spending time together. Those, you know, the small, whatever you can make of it, you know, whatever do something you enjoy i don't know but yeah I that's mean, the uh, beauty of you right there dude like that's why i love coming on and just being around you you know what i mean like you are a glass half full kind of guy and it's a refreshing breath of fresh air like i'm an optimist but i'm also a realist and you took that situation that i just laid out and we're like hopefully this is what it will be and it's advice that everybody should should adhere to and heed because you have the right idea, my man. No, I appreciate that. And I do my best. We all have our moments, you know, when it, I'm watching the, the Clippers lose by 20, the pessimist comes out. No, <laughs> <but I'm playing. laughs> no, for the most part, though, yeah, no, try to spin it around, look at the glass half full. And no, yeah, good stuff. I'll say got about five minutes in the show. I'll say probably won't get much better than that. I don't know if there's any, we just went on like the full circle of life. But no, I mean, that was, I mean, good stuff, though. It's what it's all about this time of year. Hopefully people can enjoy it, watch some football, make the best of it. Sports has been epic. I'm like, that's enough for me right there.
But yeah, no, it's been great. I don't know if there's any other football stuff that caught your eye worth bringing up. I'm like, I feel like I could end the show on that note. And I did something positive for the world today. No, I'm all, that was good yeah, stuff. That's, that's as good of a place to end as any. You know, when you got those beautiful outs, uh, we don't want it to, you know, saturate it with more NFL picks and how we won or lost. You know, we're here to celebrate our opportunities. Uh, the gifts we've been giving, the opportunities just to be here on No Filter Network doing this, you know, having this platform available to us to have these conversations, to share, like, if anything, just the people watching and me and you being able to communicate and take this into our days and you passing it along to your lady and me passing it along to my ladies and bing, um, just carrying that over into our day-to-day and just be gracious. And it's so unique to be able to start our week like this. So I am fully prepared to have a heart out right now because uh, this is as good a place to end talking about Christmas and gratitude. Damn right. Well, Rico, great stuff today. We'll wrap up the show on that note. That was awesome. Might have to clip a couple of those little life clips, post them to the internet, spread the word. You know, the world needs that kind of stuff this time of year. So good stuff. Shout out to everybody watching live on No Filter Network. And yeah, straight up, all the things, think all the things to be grateful for, just these little opportunities. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, you can always look at it one way or the other. You know, it's like just the fact mm-hmm. that we could sit on a screen and do this kind of shit 20 years ago, nobody thought was possible. So yeah, no, totally wild stuff. Great stuff today, man. And we'll wrap it up on that note. Everybody, you have a great day. End the stream here. Peace out, No Filter Network. Rico, maybe we'll see you Wednesday. If not, no worries. But everybody, we'll see you back Wednesday on the No Filter Network, the Zone TV with J.D. Dugan and your boy Rico. We're out of here. All right, peace, y'all. Peace,